Sephora touches up the first mitzvah in the Torah. The Havdal Aleph Havdalis in advertising, we call this Top Billy. It's not Stam, you have to have an order. There's 613 mitzvahs, you've got to start somewhere. Hashem put Achedish Ezel Afem first, it must be teaching us something. What's the aside of Achedish Ezel Afem Rosh Chadashim? Sephora says, Mikan ve'elach yo Chadashim Shalachem las behem kirtzainchem. Here on in, I'm giving the control of time and the calendar over to you, to Klai Yisrael. For that Hashem controlled time, Hashem still controls everything, but He's giving us the key to being Kaveh of the calendar and controlling time. And Rapam says that the Yisrael over here, and the reason this is the first mitzvah, is that you want to talk about the preamble to Cheres, you see it's Mitzrayim, Cheres HaZalachem was given in Mitzrayim. So you have to understand what a Ben Cheren is and what's the Maila of Cheres. Why are we being free? And how do we maximize on our newfound freedom? So, so Forno, Pam explains, is telling us that the aside is maximizing time using our short stay here on Earth, short 120 years, relatively short, to focus on why we're given life, what every minute offers to us, and what we can offer to others, and what Akash Baruch wants from us in this small amount of time. Uh, Palm explains that when it comes to investing money, people have whatever small amount of money they have, they're asking and they're researching, and a lot goes into making a decision, where do I put my dollars? Where is it going to grow? Where is it going to be most effective? And yet, when it comes to reviewing our daily schedule, it sort of just flows. Get up in the morning, and one day flows into the next, into the next month, into the next year. And Sephora is making the argument that if Hashem is giving time to us, it behooves us to maximize that time and plan accordingly. He quotes the Chavetz Chaim. He says, the free translation in English is if you want to become from, don't focus on becoming from or frommer. Focus on becoming smart. Become a wise investor in what your time is to be used for and how to avoid wasting time. And he makes a uh, brilliant sushtel to famous medrash by Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu, why you see it's right? Gives the mitzvah to the clay Yisrael to go borrow all the jewelry, clothing, valuables from their neighbors. So this became the mitzvah the Raisa, Devar Hashem, the Malkayim, Afro, Ken Yitzhak, And then Moshe Rabbeinu himself went to get Atzimus Yisif. And the Gemara makes the deer, Chacham Leiv Yikach Mitzvahs. And Moshe Rabbeinu went to do a mitzvah, and he didn't go after the gold. And all the Mepharshim asked, but Moshe Rabbeinu gave the tzivah to Klai Yisrael, and that was a mitzvah the races. So what difference does it make? This mitzvah the races, that mitzvah the races, you might as well make some money. Well, what's the chili? <coughs> Nothing wrong with having a good time. And what's not worthy, it says, Chacham Leiv Yikach Mitzvahs. Didn't say Moshe Ben Amuri or Shemayim didn't say he was more from. Said he was a chacham. The answer is, is that every mitzvah is important. And Klai Yisrael got a mitzvah and they did it well. But certain mitzvahs take more mysterious nefesh. In this case, Moshe Ben Amuri could pull himself away, so to speak, from mitzvah A, which was easier, certainly more matan skar betzidan, and go look for a coffin that was dropped to the bottom of the Nile. No easy task. Took a lot more amelus. So Meshur Rabbeinu, as a Chacham, not as a Yerushalayim, he had that also, obviously. But the Chachma told him, Hashem wants everybody to be doing their specific job. Klai Yisrael is doing well in their department. I have my job to not leave without Asmaseses. And he makes his final dik, which anybody reading the Adada would see. He contrasts the Arba Bonin. You have a contrast between a Chacham and a Rasha. The opposite of a rasha, l'chayra, is a tzaddik, and the opposite of a chacham is a tibish. So why do we have the polar opposites here being listed as the chacham and the rasha? And the answer is the same. If you want to stay out of rishus or even 
subpar Benedict. Instead of wondering why you didn't have more of a Yetzirah and how to beat the Yetzirah, forget the Yetzirah, the Yetzirah, just plan, calculate, strategize, be a Chacham. The Chacham would be the opposite of a Russian. So our introduction to the theme is how to spend our time, how to avoid wasting time. And the first Marmokam, I'll quote from the Chachma Begay in Tainan because uh, this is written, I don't know if it's a Yerra Gai, but uh, it's an article printed by Goyim. But an interesting statistic, it's a fellow in Cornell University, he's a professor of human development. That's an interesting category itself in university. That could be many things. His name is uh, Carl Pullimer, and uh, he studies older people. A nice, uh, nice thing to study. You have to find out more about life. So if you really want to know, you ask the people who have experience, who have been there, done that. And he entitles his article, Americans over 65 shared their greatest regret in life, and the most common one may surprise you. He took a poll. People over 65, over 65 is like middle age, you should have pulled the ones over 95, but okay, well, wherever you start. So he took a poll, and he asked them, what is, if you had to pick one thing in life, which mistake do you regret the most? So I heard somebody say wasting time, but it's, uh, that'll be the general topic, but the specific answer is interesting. You would think their answer is like uh, selling Microsoft stock before it's time or something like that. That's not what they said. And he was surprised. I was unprepared for the answer that I so often received. Quote, I wish I hadn't spent so much time of my life worrying. Interesting. But this night he didn't make this up. This is what most people told him. We all know, if you're old enough to appreciate this, you know the things you worry about never occur, and the things you weren't expecting appear out of nowhere, and you have to deal with it. That's what Bitochem uh, Namuna and fine-tuning that is all about. But he suggests strongly, in this long stick of terror over here, that time, maybe the guy is a pintalier over here, says time is our most precious resource, worrying about events that may not occur and that we have no control over is an inexcusable waste of this resource. Couldn't have said it better. So, Rapam is telling us that Sephorno says that time is now in our hands. And Lahabdul this year figured out, based on his interviews, that most people realize after many, many decades that they waste a lot of time thinking about things and governing things that weren't Mogea. On the other end of the spectrum, this fellow, I'll leave his name out, he happens to be a Yid, he's not yet from, and we're working on it, but you see, again, he certainly has a Yiddish in the Shama. He's extremely focused. He's been taught, comes in the genes, that uh, we don't waste time. What's extreme about this, this fellow is the CEO of a very, very, very well-known company. Uh, about uh, up to about a year and a half ago, it was probably one of the biggest corporations in the world. You figure it out from the is fine. You don't also find means you're learning a lot. They interviewed him a couple years back before the company started falling apart. That's the irony of this whole thing. Uh, they had, at that particular time, uh, it finally went public. It was a private company for many, many years, and then they merged with another company, and uh, the stock is extremely valuable. And he was out there uh, selling the company and selling the stock and doing the PR. The CEO himself, before the Basma. And they asked him about uh, the company and uh, to describe a little bit about the work-life balance in the company. It's a big uh, buzzword today. Work-life balance uh, means that somebody figured out out there, even if he's not, uh, not a yid, that uh, forget uh, no issue of physical terror for them, but uh, you, know, you have to have a balance. You work too hard, and life goes by, and you don't have much to show for it. So they asked him about this balance, and he says, and I'll quote to you his Russian. I tell investors, come meet my employees and tell me who you think is going to lie at the beach. He says, we don't do any of that, we work. You don't come here to take life easy. And he goes on for a few paragraphs explaining that nobody ever takes any time off, never takes any vacation, and every single head of a particular unit 
subunit uh, division within the company was booted out because after a while he started taking it easy after he made his first hundred million. And his underlings got rid of him. He's saying this, of course, because he wants people to buy the stock at the godless, that it's obvious that if you have a company that's the hardest working company around, and you have the best brains, you're going to make a lot of money on this stock. Now, this could happen to anybody, but as fate would have it, uh, stock lost 95% of its value over the past year and a half. And the thing is falling apart. Nobody can explain why. That's the pillar. But that's not a time on him, and he's very smart and very focused, and he believes that if you do something, then do it across the board. So we also agree with him, and his uh, probably former great-grandmother taught him this, but she didn't teach him this about this uh, company. She taught him that you have to be focused 24-7 on Aravodis Hashem and what we're doing here. But I, I, was, uh, I was amazed because, I don't know this fellow personally, I know of him, I know some of the co-workers, but this is speaking from a Yiddish Hashem. If you're going to focus and you believe in something, so do it. Do it and make it a job 24-7. So let's go to the connection. Pesach and Asiris Aimer and Shavuos. The Chinuch discusses the mitzvah of Asiris Aimer. It says, Meshar Sheha Mitzvah. That's the underpinning of Asiris Aimer. The reason we left Mitzrayim is not to become a free nation, not to be Achad Amin. This isn't the uh, emancipation. This isn't 1865 after the Civil War. This isn't the Civil Rights Movement. It's all wonderful. As slaves, you can't be an Eved Hashem. So Hashem took us out. And unlike what most people who aren't with the program believe, the Exodus, even not yet some people, celebrate Passover. If you ask them, what's it about? Said, well, we became free men. We became a free nation. And that's wonderful if you understand that we became a free nation to become immediately Avdeh Hashem. And we're still free, and we're more free. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people who miss that crucial point. And the Chinuch says the purpose of Sirius Aimer is to be the connector between Pesach and Shavuot. So you know that Pesach is only here and the freedom has only value is to become an Ever Hashem and to come for Kabbalah Satera. If you take the freedom and you run with it to become your own man, then you've lost the entire purpose of the Gulu. The world was created, Yisrael was created, Kalei Yisrael was created just for Kabbalah Satera. This eclipses the actual freedom that we received. Pesach. To show our longing for this day, to show that the purpose of Jesus Rhyme, the only purpose of freedom, is to be Makabal Old Taira to be Avdei Hashem. He explains at the end, so it should be the first day of Pesach, because he couldn't do that, but the first day of Pesach is Meyuchah, so this is the flows. All these seats this rhyme say, Marvin Simcha, the Simcha, and Mamelo was pushed off, so to speak, to the second day, so we'll have this connection. What we fail to realize, because we live in a country which celebrates more than anything else, freedom, which in and of itself is a wonderful thing, and it's a wonderful thing for from people. If you're here and you're from and no one's bothering you and you can do whatever you want, freedom is wonderful. If you get brainwashed by the fact that the entire purpose is to live a life where you could do whatever you want as long as nobody's getting hurt, then you miss the point to get seen. It's Ryan and It's a very interesting uh, shtickle that uh, Aaron Feldman has. He has a collective uh, essays in a couple of different books which are all uh, not for the faint of heart, but required reading because he, uh, of, the, of the spokesman today of the Rosh Hashivas for, uh, for from Jewry and for the terror point of view, he sort of says it like it is. And uh, you have to be able to say it and understand it and write it like it is. He has one piece on the Volmogoyen's fantasy side. Volmogoyen says you have the Aserus of Dibris on the left side, the right side, and each one of the Dibris is connected to one on the opposite side. And he talks about the first one, which talks about the Nehoshem and I took you out of Mitzrayim. And connected that on the other side, 
Here's Lo Tzu So what's the connection? So he mentions, this written a while ago, but unfortunately it hasn't gotten better, it's gotten worse. Uh, in Eretz Yisrael, that a whole uh, Knesset committee got together for many, many months to examine a rising violence issue in the school system, the public school system, as it is in any westernized country. But uh, Yidin like to think they're exempt, even Yidin who are not necessarily from, and they couldn't understand. They were having a huge, and they're still having, unfortunately, Leleno, a huge problem. Knives and uh, muggings and uh, who knows what. So they wanted to discuss the problem to find what the Israeli problem is, get down to the bottom of it, and then to obviously suggest solutions. They talked about it and talked about it, and they came up with one possibility that they're really good kids and everything is fine. We just need more policemen in every school. That was one answer. And then there's another committee that said policemen, not the way to go. We're short of manpower. Metal detectors, the way to go. Anything with a blade, not just because of our wonderful dear cousins today. That became an issue anyway. And there were committees and committees and committees. And the Aaron says, the Pele is illuminated itself for many years. Says, the Pele is, is not one person on any committee got up and stated the obvious, which everybody knows, the big elephant in the room, and that is, in the entire Haredi yeshiva system, with tens of thousands of Talmidim Kane Yibu, there's come out no incident of any violence. So even if you don't know why, but you clearly know that fact, wouldn't it behoove anybody on the committee in a decision-making capacity to at least run to interview the manalim of the various moisters to ask them what they're doing so we can copy it? It wasn't even brought up. It wasn't brought up in the Knesset at all. Here they're trying to think of a solution. They can't come up with a solution. Every solution is shot down. And the most obvious answer lies somewhere in a system that doesn't have this problem. And they fail to ask any of them. So we all know the answer is why did they ask? They didn't ask because they know that the problem doesn't exist and they know what the answer is. And they don't want to go there, as we say. To go there, that's going to force real answers and solution and change, serious change in lifestyle, and we don't want to do that. So he explains, how did we get lost? And millions of Yidin who needed Yeshua and Eretz Yisrael, how'd they get so lost? Did they don't even want to admit that it has something to do with Frumkat and Yerushalayim? The answer, he says, is, is that uh, many people in the Medina were brought there and brought up on the aside that the key to Klai Yisrael's existence is Yisrael Yisrael and that we're free to do what we want. There's a line somewhere, Leo Zamchavshi. If you know where it is, fine. If you don't, even better. But there is such a line. And that's Yisrael by them because they know about Yisrael Yisrael and most of them even hold that it happened, Baruch Hashem. But they hold it happen to make us free like any other minority population. And now we have to take our freedom and make our own destiny. And what they missed is the Vomagun. And that is if you take the first of the Aserz Adibris and don't finish all the Pesukim, that yes, Am Hashem took you out, but the reason I took you out is for Shavuos and Kabbalah Satera. Then on the other line, you're going to have Lotzitzah. Lotzitzah is a result, people mugging people, many people, killing people, is a result of I'm here for my own Hanah, I'm here for my own freedoms, and yes, in a civil society that can't impinge on somebody else's freedom, but if it does once in a while, that's just your tough luck. And if you put the two together, you might have to start reading the rest of the Aserz Adibris, and you have to go Pusik by Pusik, and you might actually become from, and that's a difficult thing to, to handle. I'll never forget the Misa, there was an Israeli uh, soldier watching the POWs in the Yom Kippur War after they encircled the Third Army. And they had some heated discussions. I don't know why the Arab POW got involved in the uh, little dangerous, but they, you know, soldier standing with his gun and there, nothing to do for a few days, and they're screaming and yelling about the politics behind the war. And the Egyptian POW told this not yet uh, Dati soldier, is that I understand you, you're fighting wars, protecting your country, and telling the whole world this country is yours. What's your claim? So every Israeli knows that. My claim, it says in Chumash, that uh, God took us out of Egypt and he uh, gave us this land. And the Egyptian POW told them, uh, it's very strange. You pick one Pusik out of Chumash, that you keep, and everything else you ignore. <coughs> he became a Baal Needless to say, you can't ignore that. 
you're fighting the war. They just can't, you know, people under pressure, that's when they start to think. And he himself tells the story. So you can't either, Homish is true, or Akhmalat's line, you think it's not true. But uh, to pick and choose which sukkim and convenient, you see, it's Ryan, but not true, it's it's Ryan, but not Sphere's Eimer. It's all connected. And he says, this is so important for us to hear as, as Americans. Uh, I'm usually here on Memorial Day and Thanksgiving and legal holidays, and I remind everybody I'm just as American as uh, everybody here, probably more so. I've been here more generations. And we're very proud of many of the wonderful things that Medina Shalchesed does. But these hashkafas, which come from a, often a very liberal standpoint, seep in whether we know it or not. Sometimes it bears mentioning just to uh, a correction in our own mind. He points out in this discussion that when you have a situation where people are focused on a noble ideal, he said the violence in the Israeli school system didn't surface till later. What happened? If he's right, this should have surfaced right away. The answer is no. Originally, they were all after this. You agree with the politics, you don't. No, but they were building a nation. We have to, every, all hands on deck. We have to protect each other. In the first few wars, there was, there was no time to, for violence. There was no time for wasting time. After things settled down and it became more in tune with the Western society, that the focus is the Gashmis, he says, you look at any Israeli politician now, in election season, they're all talking about bringing more austerity and helping the economy and security. No one's talking about the ideals of building the land and all the other old ideals that they themselves grew up in of Zionism. So there's going to be violence once it's completely in a Western setting where you're only here to pursue your own Tanuge Lamazel. And he says that if you look at the famous Maisa, I remember seeing the article years ago. There was a lady, a Holocaust survivor, who was interviewed. She was a famous violinist, and she was in Auschwitz. And uh, they looked at her profile, and it said that she was a musician, Dr. Mengele, the Machshemavizikroy, who had such a fine-tuned uh, neshama, so he thought. He loved music. Shada, he was a... Mamish would go out of his kalim, which is exactly very no to this discussion. He held, he was the most refined, this was Germany was Spitz culture. He's very into music, and he picked her out that saved her life. No credit to him. And he put her to work the same slave labor as everybody else, but a few times a week, he would pull her out so they could sit and play together in a session. Was, he was mocked her already with a genius she was in music, so maybe let her rest and give her some privilege. That, that, that he didn't do. But he picked her out, so there she was, emaciated, hungry, disease-ridden. And it didn't, it gets worse. He had a trained attack dog, ferocious dog, that was, he's been playing for many decades, that was trained to notice even one off note. And when the dog heard it, he would attack and bite the person who was playing it. So she was very good before the war, what she did, but she came in exhausted and hungry and sick. She was still playing pretty well, but once in a while, she hit a sour note. And the dog attacked. She survived the war with scars all over her body. So Aaron points out, he says, look at what's going on over here. You have a person who's a walking beast. That's a nice description already. He's a behemoth on two legs. And he has such a fine appreciation of music that he trains his dog that if you ever hear any note that's no good, that means he was even better. He didn't get bitten. Maybe told the dog except me. And he sat there as they're playing music, and he saw this poor lady being eaten up alive. And that was not a steerer to his enjoyment of the music. So he says, the Velt makes a tremendous mistake. He said, liberal arts are also called humanities. He says, they like to believe. They're called humanities. The answer is, they hold that the, the more you can fine tune your brain, your ears, your sights to art and music, the more human you are. What makes humans different than animals is the appreciation of music and of art and the finer set of things in life. And the more you can be honed and tuned to that, the more human you are. Now, music has a role in Yiddishkeit. Art even has a role in Yiddishkeit. But we hold, we're diametrically opposed to that Yiddishkeit. One thing defines humanity, and that's Yiddish Hashem and Yiddish And whether your role is keeping Zion mitzvahs or Tariyag mitzvahs, that's the only thing that separates you from animals. And the right of the Dr. Mengele himself, 
because he had a fine appreciation, he knew his chayro, and he appreciated it. At the same time, somebody could be attacked by his dog, and it doesn't stand at all as long as it needs to get back on track. And our quest in this country, and nobody's immune to it, to more gashmias and appreciation of what's going on, again, that doesn't mean you can't have a barbecue on Memorial Day, it doesn't mean you can't enjoy the scenery. But if that's even partial to what we really spend our time and our motivations to succeed in, it's going to detract from our Vodas Hashem in the same ratio. The fact that um, well-intended Jews, with this hashkafa, the we'll call it liberal approach of what we're here for, what we're not here for, once you go off course, and you're not looking for the end, as it goes away off course, our job is to, by our own maizim and through our interaction with others, to uh, let them know we don't agree. And there are, there are even guys, there are Americans who are more conservative, don't necessarily agree with the Tashkov Zakhain. Somebody I know was in Leviah recently. I, I couldn't, I had him tell me over twice because I thought I misunderstood. With that Leviah of a coworker, and coworker again was not yet from, I guess after their Petira, they're very from. It's after the Tinech Nishra, so whatever Anish Hashem will decide. And then hopefully whatever mitzvahs they did, they'll get the sky for. Unfortunately, at Leviah, the family gathered. Some were didn't, some weren't, and uh, they had this um, reform clergy person get up to say a eulogies. So she got up, and not here to attack. This just shows it's a network. That's not they're not bad people. They just they did this to show you how far you can cringe from the story because it's so unbelievable. Uh, Leviah was a couple months ago. I think it was between Purim and Pesach. And um, first she spoke about uh, the nifter and his love of animals and his love of all the other mailas that, that he had throughout, uh, throughout life. Again, we're also nice to animals. They spoke about uh, animals and the sports he played and all the other mailas that uh, it just felt very sad to hear a husband of somebody who wasn't filming. You know, this is what they're talking about. This is what he left here. And they, uh, she went through the... Uh, genealogy of where he came from and what he left and this person told me you should see who was in the room and uh, Yidin and uh, not yet Yidin and also the whole uh, air of rock. It was just uh, a very sad sight to see. No, she went on for about 15 minutes but you can't have a Esther without a Zvartaira. She is the rabbi so uh, <laughs> so um, she said you know we just passed the holiday of Perm and I just want everybody to know, and this will be Machazek, I'm translating this into Hebrew. This will be Machazek the Almona. I'll give him Machazek the Almona. There is an Indian, Machazek the Almona, not from, not from Almona. She said, I just want to share with you who I hold as a Dabba Pushit. She didn't speak so Yeshiva. Uh, <laughs> I hold as a Dabba Pushit at the main star of the story of Perm. Who's the star of the Megillah? I kid you not, she went on for another 15 minutes talking about the main heroine, Vashti. <laughs> and she explained, this is not like uh, she didn't, I thought it was a slip of the tongue. She said, why is Vashti the main heroine of the story? She said, Vashti is the only one in the entire Megillah who got up and told the men that they're not in charge and they're going to do what they want. <laughs> she said, the people in the Ezra's notion, the Mechilah played them, you would never do that. She totally forgot, by the way, she wanted to even push that uh, agenda. She could have quoted Esther Hamalka, who was directing traffic, if you remember, and telling Mordecai when there's going to be a tiny Esther, if she wanted to go that way. But she didn't even do, she missed even that. Vashti. So you kind of wonder, like, how do you read the things from the beginning? She said, and she went on for 15 minutes, how Vashti's the real heroine of the story, and the main lessons of Purim are A, B, C, D, you'll figure out the rest. And that's why uh, this was given to us, the Jewish people have to uh, spread the word. So you wonder, th that's not just uneducated, that is taking an agenda. Anybody has an agenda that they feel that they need more rights, they want more rights, they're making an assumption that I'm here for me, and I have rights, 
and if I feel they're not being capitalized on, I'm going to speak out and use any raya, real or imagined, that I can find. Very sad, tragic story. But Lamaisa, part of Yerushalayim, a great part, is not just Yerushalayim, it's understanding our Ashkafas and understanding what propels us and what holds us back from really being on fire about Avodah Hashem. And part of it is our senses are somewhat deadened by hearing these ridiculous things in this country and being surrounded by it and hearing it over and over and over again. And although we don't really agree, but not really clearing up in our mind, why don't we agree? And what are rights and what is freedom and what are we really doing here? And are we really supposed to be free? And how do we attain that freedom? Moving on to Shavuot. The real heroine of the story. What's the Moavia? What's the difference? I hope this is one of the main uh, points of the Megillah. Chazal Amorambe to it, Ochayin Shalabet says the famous Shmuz. There was about 10 seconds in time which changed the fate of two women and of Malchus Beis David and Mamela of the Jewish people of humanity in some lonely road between Moab and Eretz Yisrael, there are three women walking, Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah. Orpah was a Baalus Madriga, because she, as the Pesach says clearly, pushed to come, she wanted to do the Chesed, she wanted to join. It was a genuine offer. She really wanted to join. And as she thought to do with any potential Gerogieris, Nami pushed them away once and twice. And they were crying. It was a very emotional, heart-rending scene. The Tishak Arpa, she kissed her goodbye and she turned around. The Rus Dovkaba. Chaim Shalazishmuz is about not having years. Because I'll say after Arpa left, soon after Arpa left, she got involved in Kulta Ibishabayla and the Kabuli fell apart. Now you have a Baal's Madrego almost came and then falls to Memphis Shari Tim such a short time. And Shalabis talks about getting a hold of yourself after you do an Avera, after you make a mistake, and not letting yourself fall apart completely because that's what the Azahara wants. She was so bad, by the way, the Marshal points out, do you ever wonder? You look in Navi, all the descendants of Arpa, the famous ones, Goliath and all his brothers, all the gigantic people, they're all in Eretz Plishtim, something very strange. She's from Mayav, the pastor says she went back to Mayav. Maybe I think of that. How we land up in Eretz Plishtim is quite a distance. So Marsha suggests she was so bad and such an embarrassment, she was a princess. The king got rid of her and banished her somewhere else. That's how bad it got. See, we have somebody who's holding up, 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 almost does it, and then falls away. The Eitzhar says, you blew it, you might as well eat, drink, and be merry. We're not going to focus on that now, but it's important. Sikha's Musa to remember, the Eitzhar doesn't want us to do the first mistake. He wants us to give up on everything else, because we're convinced already, I'm on the nice parts, and I'm on this, I'm on a Russia, I'm not just not cut up. It's not working, it's not going. That's what the Eitzhar wants. Let's focus on the positive. Ruz Dovkabah. So very, very fascinating measures like of toys. Unbelievable this work. The end of the Megillah, we have the highlight of the Shalshu Samlucha being born. Ruth has a baby, the Kwena Shemoy Aivay. What's Lashin Aivay? You say Aivay, Lashin Hashem, Asid, Ebed Hashem. That's only a small part of the story. Al Shem Imoy Vesiv. Not that he's going to be an Ebed Hashem, which he will be. Oyvei is to reflect on how he got here, where he came from. The mysterious nefesh of Rost that got him here. Listen to this. Al Shem Imoy Vesiv. What's the description of Rost? Which passage would you pick? Vesiv Veshaptem Risa Meitzatik Larosha Bein Avedu Lakim Lashem Lo Avodoy. This is a very famous Pesach. Anybody remember where Chazal quotes this Pesach? One volunteer? You look smart. Yes. Chazal quotes this Pesach. What's the difference between a person who's an Ebed Hashem, Asher Lo Abadoi? That's quite a contrast. Chazal say, it's the difference between a person who chazered a hundred times between a person who chazered a hundred and one. Do you know anybody who has it a hundred times? 
please introduce me to him. It's already a Madrega, a hundred times? I'll take five. Rabchaim once told somebody who felt he had some Madregas in his record, he wanted to do Sigufim. He said, we're not into Sigufim, just learn. And if you want Sigufim, Chazer, that's enough Sigufim. <laughs> hundred times? Lasher Lo Avodoy is a hundred times? Lasher Avodoy is a hundred and one. What does this have to do with Rus? The same classic, different medrash. Ben Wuslarpan, this medrash says, the Aveda Lakin is Rus, Lasher Lo Avodoy is Arpa, Arpa Haisa, Lacherpa, Rus Dafka, the Yichud, Lakach Nikra, Shemoy Oyved. If you put this with the other Chazal, the Dashing, the same Pasuk, it's the same idea. What separated Rus from Arpa? Rus was holding, and Arpa was holding, and Arpa was holding by nudging and pushing Nami 100 times. All she had to do was push for another one minute, and they both would have climbed. She stopped, lost everything. Rus pushed a little bit more. And got to Klaeso, and last time at the Klaeso became the royal mother of all mothers. What a lesson. Which means that if you already have the privilege of being born from, or if you weren't born from, making a decision to become from, and you're working on your Avedo all day and all night, know that that's all preparation. The difference between real success, not that if you don't do this, it's failure. A guy has a hundred times doing quite well is when you get to a point where you feel you can't, at that point, count to 10 slowly and don't blow up and don't start a fight. Count to 10 slowly and don't listen or say the Russian her. Count to 10 slowly and dive into the Gemara one more time, the Chaza one more time. That's the difference between Rus and Arpa. It's a matter of focus and energy and many people complain they don't have the energy. Well, we're almost in Olympic season. Of course, we hope the people in the Olympics come back healthy, but um, the world is gearing up for it. And you see people who are at the peak of their performance pushing and pushing and pushing. And what I've heard, you can win a race or lose a race by 0.5 of a second. There's been gold, silver, bronze, nothing, fame and fortune. We're talking about the face, two expert swimmers, they're both at the top of the line. What makes the difference? So if you ever interview these people, which you shouldn't be looking to do, they'll tell you at the final stretch, they thought about this medrash, asher avadoy, asher lo avadoy. I'm sure that's what they're going to say. And they realize, hey, yes, that they push this hard, they're almost here. If they push a little bit harder, it can make a difference between gold and bronze. And all the medrashim, Ramon Bamatsiya, Reish Lakesh jumped into the river, he was either a gangster or a circus leader, maybe both, he jumped in and he was an Olympic swimmer. He made it from the banks of the river to Rabiathana in the middle of the river in 1.3 seconds. Rabiathana noticed it and he says, you know, that was pretty pelleted. I've seen swimmers. That was amazing. If you have such focus and such energy and such adrenaline, you should use it for working, use it for your learning. So we all know the end of the Gemara when he was Makabal al he couldn't really swim back very quickly. So, that's true, but there's another part to this. It's not only the Pshad, the Tayra's Mateshes, the Pshad is there's X amount of energy within a person. And you have to pick your focus. It's like you have to pick your battles. You have to pick your focus. We're going to use your last ounce of strength. I think last year, a year and a half, when I was here, I told you the Maisel that I saw when I was by Reb where I was asked to see him in his bedroom instead of his regular room, and he was on the couch with his eyes closed. And I walked in, I told the Gabbai, I'll come back later. He said, no, no, the Rav said, I'll see you now. And we had a surreal conversation where I was asking the world's most uh, difficult, naughty issues, and he was answering in his sleep, not in his sleep. But I don't, I don't know what, if it was a dream, it would be a He's, I assume it was, he, was, he was down here, but my maskana over here is that what I am held, like any held of the Israel, is that if I have any ounce left of strength, I have to use it to serve the Klaal, to serve the Kodesh Baruch Hu. Chaznish, every Maisa, used to see the Chaznish, used to be on his couch 
sometimes with one leg off and one leg on. They walked in, Rebbe, is everything okay? Can we help you on? Can we help you off? He said, no, nothing to worry about. I calculated I had X amount of strength to make it to the bed. I missed by a quarter of a second. These are madregas for us, but you'd be amazed where you could pump more adrenaline when it comes to your learning and your davening and your check writing. This next tila, one of the most frightening tilas I've ever seen. I haven't seen it inside because when it comes to Rosh Chodesh Sivan, today everybody's dropping leaflets, sending around emails of, or they're sending around Rosh Chodesh Sivan, the tila of the Shalom. Well known, famous Baruch Hashem. By the way, that tila can be said every Rosh Chodesh, and if you're a parent, it's probably Kedai if you have time to say it almost every day, although that becomes a law of diminishing returns because you have less kavanah. It's a very powerful tool about chinuch and chatzacha for the children and, and their learning and in their shaduchim. And it's said by many members of Faisal, Erev Rosh Chedesh Sivan, and some people say it every Erev Rosh Chedesh. This year, I was sent by my father, Mary Tisrael, al Tilo Lishla, and it said in the Title, Tila of the Shalal. First I saw it and I said, that's interesting. What my father's sending me, it's before Pesach. My father was very punctual that day, weeks before. I didn't, so I didn't get to it. I went back later to look at it. And I pressed on the file and I started reading it. I said, this is not the Tila for our shoes. This Tila is... Um, it's a Chiddush Nifla, we can even say these words, but the Shalom wrote it, the Shalom meant it, and I think it's very apropos to our discussion. I'm going to read part of it, the part that's Nogeah. This is the official Tzila for Erevah Nisan, and according to what we're discussing, it's going to fit very well. You supply everybody with whatever they need. And on top of the things we need, basic bread and water, you also give to many of us, and when the Shalom wrote this, it wasn't too many, but now it's anybody here who has, uh, everybody here has a washroom in their house? Like everybody here? That's uh, considered a gaval de dashiras, according to the Gemara. You don't have to walk to the outhouse to who knows where. So everybody here is an usher. I bet some of you even have two. So um, the Shlomo wrote this as Nagayat to some. Today, uh, we're all very wealthy to varying degrees. We just some of us don't feel it because you're trying to keep up with the Joneses. And Hashem, you're giving this out of generosity. We don't really need this, but hopefully it's going to help our brother Hashem, which he gets to the next part of the tefillah. And about what tefillah has to understand, you have to count your blessings and understand how many brachas we have. And as I always say over here, especially here in this wonderful free country, free economy, land of opportunity, which we've, Baruch Hashem, had the bracha to harness so well. You've given me much more than I need, which again, I think everybody here can say that, whether you have problems paying your electric bill or not. Everybody here has plenty what to eat. And the person here is first spelling out that he's Big enough to realize that. Beraktani mikol v'kol, katayti mikol achasadim asher asises avdecha. And here's the scary part. Yarei anochi ma'oyv l'nafshi. Because I have so much, I'm very afraid for my life and my neshama. Shloi achas v'shalom ha'oisher shama li l'ra l'achileni ha'ma'at mizchiyosai shabiyadi. I'm worried there is nothing for free in this world. There's no free lunch. are one unit, and whatever you take, if it's not used to the maximum, comes off the cheshkin chasvashalom. And the Shalom knows this. He's trying to teach this to Klai Yisrael in the form of this tefillah. 
And what we're supposed to say over here is, Yariani, Yarianachi Maidanashi, Shloyah Hatashal Maisha Shamali Laro, it shouldn't be to my detriment, Lahilani, Hamaat Mizuki Yesai Shibiyabi. Shouldn't take away the few scoops of my hand that she eat it by Elamazet. Kamara says, Ahmala Slam Rashaim, they do one or two mixes, they give an Aisha covered Laroi, and that's it to get rid of them by Elamaba. We don't want to be anywhere near that category. Ubeim who came, yeah, Chidish Nifalo, we're allowed to say these words. Shlaw says, and only allowed, we should. Ubeim who came, if Chasr Sholom, that's what's going on, and I have too much wealth, power, covered, whatever the case may be, I'm enjoying myself too much in the Gashmi Sticker realm, please take it back. Can you imagine? I have come also. Yes, and the Hashem should please take it back. If it's not the best thing for his Ruchnius, I sure is a very, very difficult thing. Whenever I say it, people say, try me. <laughs> and I get that. But I'm not saying it myself. Shlomo Mel says it. And many before him and after him. So Shlomo instructs us to David to Hashem, to beg Hashem, please, I shouldn't lose anything by holding on to it. Please take it back if I'm not using it correctly. And if the way it works in Shemayim is you only give, you don't take back. No backsies. Shalal seems to be not a subject, but apparently it works different ways with different people. So the next line is if I have this problem and you're not going to take it back, then please please give me the chokhmah and the cheshek for myself, and the next line is key, and all my family members, doesn't help if you want to use all your assets and do an audit regularly to make sure it's all being used for mitzvahs if um, the family doesn't agree. So let me have the seichel ayasha train my family to use all the brochas only for good, not to waste them, not to squander them. That's a rough message for us. I'll tell you afterwards. And therefore, again, the first pick is, it's such an Isayan, if I'm not doing it right, please take it back. And if you don't take it back, if that's not the way it works, please train me and help me train my family. And put in their minds that it should only be used for good, which means there's an accounting system, and you can spend a little more money on food to make the kids happy, and have any Shabbos and any Yantiv, and take a vacation once in a while. It's always a question of how much you're spending, how much you're giving, how much you're giving to others, and how much time all this is taking. My assets should be there for Panosa of Balei Teira, Anoshim Kshem, Anoshim Agunin, Asoyt Stoka Harbeg, Yimilis Chasadim, Lekrevin, Lechaykin, Rotsen Hashem Yokum, Kengi Rotsen. That's the Shlaz Tfilah. And why is it Erev Roshchedish Nisim? Because that's when we were set free and given Achrei Ken Yetzir Bukhush Godol in anticipation of Sphiris Aymer and Kabbal Satari to prepare us as a startup nation to have all the assets we need to be able to function. And the trick is to use all of them and not say, well, I'm doing plenty and therefore I don't have to push the agenda to 101. One small example in the category. We don't have too much time. The biggest pella on our availus during Spheris Eimer is how a person can be big enough to spend his whole life raising 24,000 Talmidim, and lose every single one, and survive the experience, get up again, and go fight there and rebuild. The kasha we have on our grandparents and great-grandparents who came from the Holocaust and did, did almost just that in many ways. How do you do it? Rabbi Kiva did it, succeeded. The five Talmudim he had are the bearers of our Messiah, Rabbi Yudah and Rameir. He did it, he succeeded, and nothing got him off track. At the pinpoint, one midah of Rabbi Kiva that held him, propped him up, and kept him going. And I know this is the media that worked, because he had this media before he was thrown. If he was always thrown before he was a Benteir. That was the media of optimism. Optimism is also used for Bitochen Amunah, but Bitochen Amunah, the Chazanish says, doesn't mean everything's going to be all right. It means whatever's happening, 
I still have the kalim to make something of the situation. The famous Misa, the worker, the poil, who worked for three years, supposed to get paid at the end, and when he showed up, the boss said, we have a serious cash flow issue here. Ever hear your boss tell you that? Uh, the good news is the crop was Gavaldic, which Rabbi Kiva knew, because he's the one who cut the, cut the wheat. Cash flow issues, he said, ah, okay, at the end of three years, I, I'm not getting paid. Uh, see, I'll take, uh, I'll take uh, clothing. I'll, so I have no clothing. I'll take some animals. You got some nice cows. Everything's muktus l'shamayim. Like, if you ever heard a tall tale, that was it. And Rabbi Kiva packed up his bags. Wasn't too happy. He's going home now, nothing to feed his family. But they didn't scream and yell. Most of us would. And he didn't attack them. I think uh, most of us might. And he went home. And um, within a couple of weeks, the boss came with camels and donkeys, filled with cold tooth and tid, cash and food and camels and animals and clothing and everything he had asked for. I love the ribbons issue, but it's not a ribbons issue. And he paid him and he said, uh, everything's okay now, I'd like to pay you, I really apologize. What were you thinking? And he went through line by line and he said, well, he told me you didn't have cash, I figured maybe you just had a, an onion, you needed some, and uh, well, you had the clothing and this, I figured you were mocked everything, and that's, you know. I told him afterwards that would happen. He didn't tell him at the time, he just said, I don't have any. This is, I doesn't say what it was, we know from other sources, the boss is Rabbi Lezer and the Ani, the Toyo is Rabbi Kiva. But it wasn't Rabbi Kiva, it was Akiva. The reason he became Rabbi Akiva is because he never gave up, he never gave in to Yush, and I think what she tells us is not a mistake, Dafka Rabbi Akiva is a Haftalwef, Lamech, is that Klaal Gobel? The answer is it is a Klaal Gobel because there's so many mitzvahs and Averis you can avoid and be involved in, or mitzvahs and Averis tied in with Haftalwef, Lamech, and Lashon Haram, Machlekes, and Kas, and bearing a grudge, and all the things we get stuck on. The first thing you need to know is I'm not here for me, it's not all about me. People are inherently good. Uh, many people come to me with businesses and they tend to argue that point. I said, no, you're seeing the evil part, but that's just the Yates of her. People are inherently good. They mean well, often they come clean afterwards. Rabbi Kiva lived to see it. He lived to see the brutality of man. He was tortured to death. You say he was optimistic his whole life, and then he was tortured to death. The answer is to him, it was the same thing. I'm waiting for Shemayi Yisrael, the Chol Nafshacham, saying my whole life, this fits into the program. The reason why this is all during Sphere is this Kabbalah Satera means you're not only willing to be Makabal Abdus, you're willing to be Makabal Abdus on Hashem's term. You don't get to give your job description. You don't decide if the money is coming or not. You have to decide when it comes where you're putting it, and you have to beg Hashem using it correctly. You don't decide who babbles you, who's nice to you. You don't decide who's a Russian, who's a tzaddik. It's not for us to shots up. If the person really a tzaddik, he's just having a bad day. The optimism of life is born from one thing. Rabbi Kiva knew this before he was learning. He was basically a maimon. All indications he was from me. He says so himself. He wanted to bite a few to the but that was out of jealousy. But he was even Amaratsin, Mali Mitzis Kariman. Where does that come from? It comes from waking up in the morning and understand rain or shine, markets up, markets down. I have an opportunity to do mitzvahs. I'm living, I'm breathing. It doesn't make difference what's going on around me. That is the biggest opportunity and the biggest cause for simcha. It's a shame we should take that idea into the Avtaven. And the mitzvah shame, there'll be less to do in El and Shuvah. We have the Shuvah's right and take the lessons throughout the summer. Thank you for